Hello, my name is Sandy Adamitis, the social media director for the Page International Screenwriting Awards, and your host for the Writer's Hangout, a podcast that celebrates the many stages of writing, from inspiration to the first draft, revising, getting a project made, and everything in between. We'll talk to the best and the brightest in the entertainment industry and create a space where you can hang out, learn from the pros, and have fun. Hi, I'm Sandy Adamitis. Hi, I'm Terry Sampson. Terry, it was an exciting day in Los Angeles. Yes, it was. We had an earthquake. Yep, we did. So we're recording this on Friday. This mm-hmm. episode will be out on Sunday. What is the latest on the earthquake? It looks like it was 4-6 oh. in Malibu, which I believe is illegal. <laughs> when you put that much money into a beach house, you expect no earthquakes. At all. <laughs> Not even a little one in the afternoon. I remember when they had the Malibu fires, I don't know, what, 15, 20 years ago. John Davis, his house was saved. The police chief, I think, personally came over and hosed the roof down. Now, I was in Santa Monica at the time. That's pretty close to Malibu. Mm-hmm. It The building really shook, and we had writers who are from out of town who have never experienced an earthquake before. And they weren't into it. No, they had that shocked look on their faces after it was over. Do you, do you remember that feeling, that first time you feel like, well, what do I do now? This doesn't make any sense. Is there a list? Should I put something on? <laughs> There's nothing to do after the earthquake. So when your cortisone levels spike and it stops shaking, there's nothing to do. Got all this energy and really... No use for it. No use for it, yes. Not, no good use. So you worry with it. You, yes. you take that bundle and you get worried. You can't comprehend it not happening five seconds later. Right. Everything goes back to normal. In fact, this is usually what happens. The earthquake starts. Mm-hmm. You pause, say, is this the big one? <laughs> Right? Oh, yeah. At first, you. We all say that to ourselves. It has ramped up in the past. Yes. If you've been around here as long as uh, as as me, yeah. And you. So, five, 10 seconds in, you can kind of tell it's not the big one. Mm -hmm. And then you, okay, how bad is it going to be? Yes. You can almost tell that the thickness of it is going to happen within the first two or three seconds. Yes. So you sort of go, oh, this is going to be okay. Oh, and also there's roly. Right. And shaky. Yeah. This had no uh, (laughs) roly-poly. And the roly-poly is the really interesting one because you you sit and you go, okay, all right, now we're doing this. So it was very interesting to see the earthquake through the eyes of newbies (laughs) that haven't gone through it. And I didn't hear the rest of this. We are going to have another atmospheric river oh come is really? coming yes they said another atmospheric river headed for los angeles but then i got to the studio and i left you know i didn't hear the actual weather report it was crazy rain here last week i gotta believe that the los angeles city council had just cut a deal to say okay one earthquake but no more rivers <laughs> the sky rivers are bad i'll take the little shake exactly. in fact Frankly, the really cool thing would be if we all, at the same time, if they scheduled it, we'd all take a salt shaker, put mm-hmm. it upside down, and it would shake for us. 
Put it a little on your popcorn. Let's make it fun. Today's episode... We're going to talk about public domain. On January 1st, 2024, after almost a century of copyright protection, Mickey Mouse, or at least a version of Mickey Mouse, will enter the United States public domain. Mm. What is public domain? Do you want to just take a shot at public domain and then I'll do the official encyclopedia version? I want to say it's like a dirty men's restroom. I go... No? Uh, elaborate. Public <laughs> domain. It just sounds like it's a public place <laughs> okay. that you would go. And yikes. Yes. yes. But it's not. No. I, I see where you were going there. It's almost like saying we've made enough... You, they'll point to you as Mickey. Mm-hmm. Mickey and your and Mr. Disney. Mm-hmm. You've made enough money. Okay. <laughs> Okay, we're all getting in on it now. Fancy (laughs) pants, you've got a nice car. You're done. Okay, what is public domain? The public domain consists of all the creative work to which no exclusive intellectual property rights apply. This can be due to copyright expiration, copyright loss due to loopholes and mistakes, death of the copyright owner, or failure for the copyright owner to file for the rights or extension to those rights. Because no one holds the exclusive rights, anyone can legally use or reference those works without permission. For example, as of 2024, the Steamboat Willie version of Mickey Mouse can now be utilized. Not Mickey, current, Walt Disney World waving his hand version. It's the Steamboat Willie. Because he was called Steamboat Willie at the time? Steamboat Willie is the first version of Mickey Mouse. And he was in the shorts Steamboat Willie. And there was also that same character was a silent version. And it was called Plain Crazy. And this was in 1928. So Mickey leveled up over the years. Why am I bringing this up? Why am I talking this way? Well, for writers. Yes. Why should screenwriters be interested in public domain? Hollywood is obsessed with IP, intellectual property, books, magazine article, a song, TikToks now intellectual property. But most screenwriters can't afford to buy the rights to the latest book or graphic novel. So they turn to public domain. Don't have to pay for it. Back to Steamboat Willie. Again, that was the early version of Mickey Mouse. Now, Steamboat Willie was a technical marvel. One of the first cartoons featuring fully synchronized sound. It threw silent animation into being obsolete and launched an empire. Mickey Mouse is Disney. That is where the empire just exploded. You see, Walt was facing bankruptcy when director Alan Crossland's film, The Jazz Singer, which is known as the first talkie, the Jag Singer, with long sequences of song and dialogue. It just took the United States by storm in 1927. People love sound. They really they did. They just do. I can't stand him. 
That's from Singing in the Rain, which is about the silent movie stars moving into talkies. That's the line from the the Queen of the Lot. It's an actress, and she's a silent movie star actress, and she's saying her lines for the very first time. And she's dressed up like Antoinette. Uh-huh. And, um, and she's supposed to say, you know, I can't stand the man. And she keeps going, I can't stand him. <laughs> It's one of my favorite lines. Okay, so Walt was facing bankruptcy, and then the jazz singer came out, and he said, wow, they're doing song and dialogue. I can do that. Walt sensed that the sound meant big business, and he decided to stake it all on his talking mouse. Steamboat Willie opened at the New York's Colony Theater on April 18th, 1928, a date that would also be known as Mickey Mouse's birthday. Oh, how nice. So now that makes sense. I mean, so that will now make sense, I guess, if you can say what day Mickey Mouse was born. Or Steamboat Willie. I find this this little problem in there where he wasn't really Mickey Mouse when he started out. He was Steamboat Willie. Yeah, he was Steamboat Willie. So like right now, and is this date, have we reached that date of where it's- 2024 Steamboat Willie. So we could make a cartoon called Steamboat Willie, have it look just like Mickey Mouse and get away with it. We could do the adventures of Steamboat Willie takes on the Martians. Right. Or is dating Taylor Swift. Or is dating Taylor Swift, exactly. Oh, maybe Taylor might have an issue with that, though. She's not in the public domain. It's depending. I would spell her name T-A-I-L-O-R. That's a difference. That'll work. Not a problem. Mm -hmm. The cartoon took three months to complete with an estimated budget of 4,000. I love this estimated budget because it's $4,986. And 14 cents. What do you think that is in today's dollars? Today's, so say that again, 14. $4,986. That is $86,000. It's a pretty good guess. Mm -hmm. Actually, I only have the figure from 2020, $75,923. Disney himself performed the mostly unintelligible dialogue. The cartoon was a hit with audiences and lauded by critics for its ingenuity. So wasn't that a lot of... Yeah, squeaks. Squeaks, mm-hmm. things like that, yes. But the body movement and the rhythm that he was, you know, moving his body around, mm-hmm. so great. It's really great. Now, what's it about? A mischievous deckhand on a riverboat, Mickey, Steamboat Willie, to Minnie's delight, plays Turkey in the Straw, an animal menagerie as his instrument. The tyrannical Captain Pete is not amused. And Mickey ends up peeling potatoes in the galley. Walt did a test audience where the audience was seated in a room next to Disney's office. Now, I have been in Walt Disney's office because I worked in the animation building and I explored it on my own. The door was open. It's on the third floor. Plus, when I was on Ghost Whisperer, Marianne chased a ghost from Walt's office. We'll do a podcast on that someday. Wow. And he, so he did this test audience. They were seated in a room next to Disney's office, from which they projected the film to an outside screen that was just a bed sheet. 
Of course. Wow. They kept the projector in the office so as to not interfere with the live sound that the team was providing for the screening. The film was literally projected through a window. The sound then was to come from behind the bed sheets. After the test screening went really, really well, Walt Disney contracted a band, a production sound system, and a conductor. But that first try at syncing the sound ended up being an absolute failure. So Disney sold his Moon Roadster to pay for another recording and another try. Wow. He sold his car. Sold his car to get the film done. Yeah. Moon Roadster. So I would imagine the top went down. Oh, must be. Yeah. Part of the reason the second try worked so well is that they added the bouncy ball on the screen to keep the tempo for the band like a visual metronome. Hmm. And it was finally finished. Why do works go into public domain? Why? Yeah. I think it's the idea that eventually we all absorb these influences. Mm -hmm. And I know that in the music business, the deal is you get to be paid. Well, we're going to go into that dark area where I have to stay out of. You used to be able to get paid. So you're supposed to get royalties and everything for your entire life once you write something. Mm -hmm. And then your people, the people that you are attached to and you love, they're going to get it for another 50 years. That seems like a pretty good deal. Especially mm-hmm. for the people that didn't write it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think at a certain point, it feels like it becomes part of the culture in which right. we can touch it and we know it and we reference it and it's part of our language and yes. it's part of the way we look at things. Yes. According to the Center for the Study of Public Domain, the goal of copyright is to promote creativity, and the public domain plays a central role in doing so. Copyright law gives authors important rights that encourage creativity and distribution, but it also ensures that those rights last for a limited time, so that when they expire, works can go into the public domain where future authors can legally build upon their inspirations. Mm -hmm. Just what you said. Anyone can use these works as raw material for their own creations without fear of lawsuit. In January of 2024, just last month, a whole plethora of things came up into the public domain. Making Whoopi, the song by Walter Donaldson and lyric by Gus Kahn. I recognize the title. Can you sing any of that too? I know it very, very well. This is actually on my iPod that I used to run with, it has that song on it, sung by the fabulous Louis Armstrong. Ah, uh, I love him. Yeah. But I can't, I'm not sure if I can do all of the lyric, but it's ba 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 da ba da ba da ba da I got it right at the end there. Yes, I know exactly what that song is now. The Big Rock Candy Mountains. Oh, wow. By Harry McClintock. Okay. There's a Rainbow Round My Shoulder, Al Jolson. Okay. I Want to Be Loved by You. I want to be loved by you, by you, and nobody else but you. Boop, boop, be doo <laughs> With the boop, boop, be doo Did Betty Boop, was that written for Betty Boop, or she just sang that song? I bet she, <laughs> she 
grabbed onto it. I think she booped it herself. Yes. I don't think the boop was original. Sunny Boy. Yeah. Now, I'm getting that mixed up with Danny Boy in my mind. Oh, uh, it says, uh, I know the last hook part of it, and it goes, ah, Sunny Boy. But that's all I can remember from that one. I, I love that. You can add that to your resume. It can do yeah. old-timey radio's <laughs> voice. Yeah. Higger entered the public domain, joining oh, Winnie so, the Pooh. So Pooh was already yes. public domain, yes. and now Tigger is? Yes. That was an awkward couple of years, wasn't it? Those two could even <laughs> hang out. I love Eeyore. I did not like the voice of Winnie the Pooh. I don't like that actor's voice. But Eeyore, I know he was a downer, but I liked him. Now, the screenplays. The Circus by Charlie Chaplin is in public domain. The book, All Quiet on the Western Front, the German version, which I know you prefer when you read the German version. Yeah, I always go to the German. Lady Chatterley's Lover. Okay. D.H. Lawrence. Right. Orlando, a biography by Virginia Woolf. Hmm. The Passion of Joan of Arc screenplay is now in public domain. The Mystery of the Blue Train, that's at Agatha Christie. Three Penny Opera, the Bertold, embarrassing myself, Bertold Breck. Okay. Mac the Knife. Oh, really? Again, the German version. It started out, and then they, yes, I remember this. And then, so it was quite a few years, actually, afterwards when somebody changed it and it became a hit in the, like, late 50s, I want to say, maybe even in the 60s. I don't know why I'm going to say Bobby Darren. Yeah, good. Good for you. Okay. (laughs) Saying that was very smart. (laughs) Terry, why should a writer use something in public domain Kind of just hanging a lantern on that. We've already really kind of said it, but... Well, it's obvious because it's a shortcut to setting something up and also fantastic for jokes. Yes. Because it's part of, you already know this, it's like telling half of the story and then getting your good punchline to go with. Right. You don't have to build so much pipe. We all know fairy tales. We all know Mac the Knife. Reason number one, no permission is needed to copy or use public domain works. You walk away with anything from uh, this podcast today, writers. Public domain, no permission needed. There's a website that I found that I think you writers will find very, very interesting. It's publicdomaininreview.org. P-U-B-L-I-C-D-O-M-A-I-N-R-E-V-I-E-W.org. For those of you over 55, that's H-T-T-P-S, call it. Oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. So on this website, breaks down what's out there in the public domain. There's tons of links to millions of free books, movies, software, websites, and more. So writers, check out everything available in public domain. For example... Robin Hood, Little John, Friar Tuck, Maid Marian, and the Sheriff of Nottingham. Do you have a favorite in that group, Terry? No. All are waiting for your brilliant mind to spin a yarn. After all, Robin Hood has attracted Kevin Costner, Russell Crowe, Sean Connery, Carrie Elwes, and Errol Flynn. Everyone wants to work. Yes. 
And that's a wrap for the Writer's Hangout. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Your positive feedback will help us keep the show going so we can continue bringing you more future episodes. Remember, keep writing. The world needs your stories. The Writer's Hangout is sponsored by the Page International Screenwriting Awards with executive producer Kristen Overn, producers Sandy Adamitis, and myself, Terry Sampson. And our music is composed by Ethan Stoller.